You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Oh, man. Oh, man. Here we go. So the four most dangerous words are, I've heard that before. Just I want to give you a little reminder because your brain will disengage. I want you to re-engage. Worship team, you guys were amazing. Thank you. Yes. So, Brian, introduce yourself. Give us a little good intro. Good morning. That's funny. Uh, give us a good <laughs> intro, and then we're going to dive right in. Hi. Good morning, C3. Um, I cannot even begin to express what an honor it is to be here with you guys. This is a church that is really precious to my heart. Um, you guys are a community that I am not a technical member of, but I listen in on a weekly basis. Uh, my wife and I have been involved in another church for about 12 years, and I'm in leadership there. But this is like my surrogate family. You guys are, uh, you guys are the, the church that we um, participate in by proxy because there is such a unique a unique experience of the Spirit of God in this place, in this community. Um, that's not what you asked me to say. You asked me to introduce myself. So I'm a marriage and family therapist. I've um, been practicing in San Diego for about eight years now. Um, I got in to this field because 12 years ago, my marriage fell apart. That about four or five years into our marriage, my wife and I um, ran into a crisis and we realized that we were isolated, that we were cut off from uh, not just a church family, but a healthy church family. From people that, not just people that could say, God loves you, but could, but could say, let me show you how God loves you. Let me model with my marriage how God loves you and what it looks like to love your wife. And so we ended up uh, in a place I never thought I would be, on a therapist's couch. And the therapist asked uh, myself, do you want to stay married? And then he, she turned and she asked my wife, do you want to stay married? And I never thought, Anybody would have to ask my wife that. And my wife took a pause, she thought about it, and we both resolved that that was, that ending our marriage was off the table. And then we started to break bones. And then we started to do really deep healing. And so uh, that process was so transformative for me that I went to seminary and I went to, um, I went back and got my graduate degree in clinical psychology, and I'm here now. Come on. So powerful. Oh, I was actually, I know, you know, real quick, it reminded me because when he said that he ended up there with this situation, every time we're with him, it's a beautiful thing because we're so transparent. And I just want to point out the fact that that flows from the top in our church in C3, coming from Pastor Phil and Chris to Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, all that we've ever been around. And, and Brian has mentioned to us before, because in the certain things that we've walked through and talked through with him, he's pointed out that our healing and um, breakthrough has come quicker because of our level of transparency. And so I would in encourage anyone here today to let that be you as well, because that is, that's how God moves. That's how, where God can really show up when we learn that we can just put out there what's happening. Obviously, this man has had incredible fruit because he was able to be vulnerable and transparent. We've experienced incredible fruit because we have learned that that's the best way to be. And my husband rages against uh, Christianese anyways, so it works out really well. But you're, un you're in a, a good house. You're in a safe place in this church for those things to come up. Amen. Amen. Hey, so 
I would love you to start off just that stigma around, you know, seeing a therapist or counseling before we get into it. What, what do you think that is? I know there's an enemy that doesn't want us to get equipped to get us resourced up, you know, I, and I love when I have some Christian friends that are like, I just read my Bible. I was like, bro, I don't know what Bible you're reading because, uh, you know, there's some of the stuff I'm watching isn't health, healthy in your marriage or in your life. And uh, whether you're single here or not, these are all just real life examples of things that we want to have an aha moment around. What, what do you think that is, that people just think you have to be completely broken before you go to a therapist or counseling? I think it's important for us to remember the, the water that we swim in, being um, people who live in Southern California. We exist not just in a bubble. We don't, we don't exist on Sunday morning. We exist um, in culture all week. And so when you think about uh, the culture that we live in, it's important to acknowledge that we do not live in a culture of mental health. That's just not our reality. So if, let's, let's do a little experiment. Y'all can, uh, you don't have to close your eyes. If you want to, you can close your eyes. I'm gonna have three sentences that I want you to complete. And, and don't complete it with the right answer. Complete it with what is really intuitive, what's authentic and, and um, natural for you. So I want everybody just finish the sentence as I say it. Vulnerability is. And for this exercise, I'm not used to such a, uh, I'm not used to we'll such a- We'll shout you down, bro. Don't we will shout, shout you down right now. There's gonna be plenty of time where I'm gonna want some affirmation, but uh, for this, you can, you can do this privately. Vulnerability is, all right, finish this sentence now. Vulnerability feels like, finish that for yourself. I grew up believing vulnerability was. So I've done that survey with hundreds of people in the last five or six years. And 98% of the time, 99% of the time, we finished that sentence, I grew up believing vulnerability was weakness. Because we live in a culture of scarcity. We live in a culture that tells us that we are not enough. And the trap of that is, instead of getting rooted in a community like this and getting mentored by people like Matt and Michaela, where you, uh, you get this deep, resilient sense that I have something, the love of God, that the world needs. We walk around in the world thinking the world has something that we need. And we walk around feeling we are not rich enough, wealthy enough, uh, professional enough, successful enough, thin enough, good looking enough, fill in the blank. And shame, the not enough syndrome, always leads to isolation. So I think that naturally gets projected onto mental health. You think, man, um, it's a really healthy thing to go get coaching if I wanna be a better uh, athlete, but it also requires a degree of belief in myself that I'm worthy of coaching. It's a really vulnerable thing to say, man, my marriage is struggling, and I wanna go ask somebody to help it. Well, what does that mean about me if my marriage is struggling? And so we don't go, we isolate. What do you, moving right into that, what do you think some of the blind spots are that, you know, we're walking around with or things that maybe, maybe it's not a blind spot, but we're tolerating? What, what is, what's the stuff that you see a lot of that we can just be like, okay, that's, that's normal for us. So sometimes that shame that you call the, the not enough syndrome will keep us out even to admitting that there is a deficit there. What's that blind spot or that thing that, 
you see all the time that's more normal than we would think, oh, it's just me. So I've, I've come to believe it, and I wouldn't, have, um, I wouldn't have been able to articulate this before I studied psychology, but I have genuinely come to believe that our natural state is joy. When we are deeply rooted in the Father's love, your natural state, you don't gotta conjure it up, you don't need, the worship up here was that next level, oh my gosh. You could come in, in these doors in any state, and if you, if you do not get transformed, there's something wrong with you. But we shouldn't need that kind of jolt to our system to feel joy. And so we get so used to starving to death for joy. We get so used to anxiety. We get so used to depression uh, that those symptoms stop being symptoms and they start being normal. And so the first thing, when you ask this great question, like what is the, the blind spot? I think we just get used to not joy. We get used to something other than feeling capable, feeling like the dream that I just accomplished, man, that was just stage one. I'm gonna dream bigger next time. If that's not my default, then I've already absorbed scarcity mindset into my system. Yeah. Well, keep going. Like, so what do you do? What, like, what if I'm asking for a friend? You've, what if you've. I know what they do. They find a Matt and Michaela. I don't know what you guys do. We, Maybe we just turn on that song for King and Country. Joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> I don't think that was King and Country, babe. That was. That is. That was third grade junior high camp. It is, uh, right? Thank you, creative joy. musicians. It is. So, I would love to go down that vein because I see it where maybe even, how do we help? Let's just say we have the joy. How do we help our partner or get that joy? I know it's not our job, but I know that that was one of my things like, well, I have to help manufacture it. Yeah. If we're not, how, how, do we, how do we take that blind spot? Or if we've lost that joy, how do we get it back? Like, what are some real tangible stuff that we can walk out of here like, yeah, you're right, I've lost some joy. Or my partner's lost some joy, like, what do we do? And I think the first, the first symptom, the first place we get derailed is connection. Um, you know, when Genesis 1, I think it's 26, God is speaking in the personal. He's speaking first person, and he uses the plural. He said, let us make them in our image. And, and to think that God is intrinsically relational, not just God is relational with himself, but God is relationship itself. God wow. is relationship. So the first thing we do when we feel shame, when we feel fear, when we feel not enough, which is the message of the world for you, is that we pull away from connection. The most intrinsic thing we can do if we wanna get better is become transparent and known in healthy communities like this one. You, it's real easy to go find communities that are gonna affirm and confirm your belief that you're not enough. That's real, right? You, everybody in here knows that. You well, say that again. That's worth, so you can get it on Twitter. I mean, that was. It is real easy to find relationships and communities that will confirm your belief that we're already carrying inside of us that we are not enough. And if we do that, we are literally uh, programming trauma into our own mindset. We're programming scarcity into our own mind. And the tangible thing with that, and I'm not here to ruffle any feathers, is some of you guys. Yes, you are. Okay, I am, okay. Fine, I am. 
Won't let him lie. Ministry teams have someone in the lobby to catch him on their way out. Don't let him leave offended. Just let him get some prayer. No, some of us need to get off some face group groups that are causing drama and trauma or are feeding a need because we're voicing a lot of people who sit behind a computer and I've watched, they feel like that's connection and they're in groups that are really, when I read them and walk people through it, it's a lot of drama. A lot of like, what is feeding more of that? And I think sometimes it's about defriending some people or getting out of some groups that are stirring up That's that. real. That's right. That's right. When we think about social media, social media is neither good or bad. It is amoral. Social media is what you make it. It's what you fill it with. And it's super easy. In fact, I would say it's the default to fill it with, uh, let's go back to what the world has to say about you. That's going to be the default. And remember, if we are so immersed in anxiety and scarcity that the only way we think feeling connected, feeling alive, feeling powerful is to have that message confirmed about somebody else because we feel better about ourselves. Social media is a great place to get that hunger fed. So when you think um, unfriending, man, I would, I would go through your list and think, who are, who are the relationships on this list? And I, I mean, I get radical with it. Uh, not everybody's extreme as me. Who are the relationships on this list that make me more like Christ? Who are the relationships on this list that I make more like Christ? Why the rest on the list? What are oh. they doing? That's so good. This reminded me of a question I asked you actually when we met with you one time. And it reminded me of this because I asked, what makes someone's default either half glass empty or half glass full? Because a lot of our stuff that has come up for us comes out of a place of this guy is like the most positive person on planet earth. And you think the opposite of that is negative, but I'm not negative. It's just, I'm more like reality based thinking. Well, you're already going there, babe. Let's just make uh, it real. I don't live in that reality. So do you remember what you said when I asked you that? Like what is the, what makes the difference in someone? I don't. You said it all boils down to trauma which I thought was so interesting. And I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit. And I know this is, wasn't planned or anything, but it just made me think of that joy thing. Because why do some people just naturally wake up with a pep in their step and like blow sunshine up everybody's butt and have the music blasting at freaking 6 a.m. And I'm like, I just am not even awake yet. Help me, Jesus. So anyways, I must have a lot more pain and trauma, but we'll, we're gonna work that out this week. So I I'm going to set my alarm that. to joy, joy, joy. I now know what I'm doing. And then you'll get joy, joy, joy in your face. <laughs> pray for your pastor. Just pray for me. Brian's turn. Brian's turn. Brian's turn. So what does it mean when I say it all comes down to trauma? That's the question, right? Yeah. I forget at this point. Uh, or how do we, like, can we change old. that? So, yeah. like, you actually, it doesn't have to be that way. So why, I guess, a little, explain why in a little bit, can it be different? And just, and just to clarify what Kayla's talking about, Kayla's not necessarily talking about, like, like, my wife is wired to see trouble coming, and I'm not wired to see that way. I'm wired to see fun coming. I'm just much more likely to be like, I don't know how it's going to work out, but it's going to be, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Like, we, we talk about... <laughs> We used You're a to man drive, of God. we've learned, 
when my wife and I take our kids to Disneyland, we've learned to not talk about uh, what we're gonna do at Disneyland because it always causes tension. What my wife will do is she'll be like, so what should we do? I don't know, I wanna walk in and just see what there is to do. And like, I wanna just go on something. She's like, this is gonna help us because we're going to Disneyland this week. This is real. Thanks I'm gonna to keep our it real amazing for you guys. church family who bless us with a trip, by the way. But I, I, I want an itinerary. Who are the itinerary people in the room? Yeah, you guys know who you are. And who are the go with the flow people in the room? Who are the best? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that can be hard because she wants to know exactly what we're gonna do. I was like, I just, I wanna be spontaneous. She's like, okay, I just wanna have a plan for our spontaneity. And think, <laughs> you've already missed it. And so when we're talking about the glass half full FMB, we are not talking about the person who's wired to see what could go wrong as we move forward. That's a gift. The Holy Spirit's given you a gift to foresee our blind spots, and that's not, a, that's not a negative thing. Well, we're talking about the person that expects it to fail, that emotionally, I expect to be rejected. I expect for this not to be enough. Wow. And that, to me, I don't, even, I don't even need to know your story to know that there's trauma there. Because, and it's interesting, the first time I did a postgraduate, um, really, really specialized, in-depth study of trauma, we find three aspects of trauma, and this is emotional trauma. If you hear a, a triage doctor use the word trauma, he's talking about physical trauma to the system. It's a, different, it's a different use of the word. When we talk about psychological trauma, we're talking about three essential aspects of our personality, all of which are identity issues. So first of all, like let's say I'm attacked in a dark alley, and now every time I walk past that alley, it's broad daylight, I'm perfectly safe, but I still feel the fear of that danger. We're talking about trauma of safety. My physical... Emotionally, I expect to be in danger. Secondly, we talk about what, what I, the word I use is agency, or it's, it's a, a feeling of I can be powerful and affect my world. We, everybody in this room knows that we are not all powerful, that we can't control our life, but we have the power to be agents in our life and to affect and impact the way that our life, to dream bigger and accomplish new things. If I go through an experience that leaves me with an impaired sense of my own agency. I feel incapable. I feel not enough. That scarcity, I already know there's trauma in our system. And last one is what, it's interesting, in, uh, in trauma theory, we actually refer to this as a trauma of responsibility. But really what we're talking about is worthiness. Really what we're talking about is, if somebody rejects me, if somebody says, I don't wanna be close to you, for whatever reason, I take responsibility for their assessment of me and I own it. And what, I, what that internalization looks like is it looks like, oh, I'm not good enough. And so what I'm gonna start to do is I'm gonna start to become what I think you want me to be. And I'm gonna start to morph into this inauthentic version of myself. And I'm gonna go deeper and deeper into the shame spiral. And we're gonna be more and more isolated. So when we think half full, half empty, I already know, oh, there's some fear, there's some sense of responsibility, or there's some loss of agency in your story somewhere. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Makes Makes total sense. Can I take this down a road? Yeah, so I find in that thing loss of identity. What are some of the first steps to break that, to hit the reset? What are some tools? What if we're all out here? Like, what's some stuff that we can do to get back on the horse and say, let's do this? We want an epic marriage, or we want to find that epic relationship. What, what is it? So earlier you were, before I came up, you were talking about pain. You were talking about the pain of not growing the pain of staying the same. And in, 
and we'll say like the in the theory of psychological change, we, we always think of pain in two two forms. There's the pain of a symptom, right? There's the symptom pain, meaning my system is telling me that something needs to change. My like if I I'm driving down the road and my dashboard light comes on. That's painful, but it's not the issue itself. The dashboard light is just telling me that the engine has a problem. And so when I'm going through my, my day and um, my wife stops texting me because she's irritated or I become passive aggressive or something symptom comes to the surface, that's actually not the issue. It's just telling me that there's something deeper that needs to happen. Or there's the pain of what I call the pain of success, meaning the pain of growth, because growth is painful too. So if my wife stops texting me, I can do one of two things. I can go into a narrative in my head about how, man, nothing's good enough for her, and I can confirm that and avoid the pain of the symptom. Or I can lean into it and say, sweetie, there's something going on. I want you to know that I love you. You can tell me if I frustrated you. You can tell me if I... And be ready and open to her feedback. And that's also painful, but that pain leads to joy. So when we think about if, if I know, if I'm sitting here and like I already know that one of those three narratives is there's a, and I have, I already know. So just, I'm gonna fill in the blank for you. Yes, there's trauma in your story um, because there's trauma in all of our stories. The first place we start is we actually follow the pain. The pain is our roadmap. The, the pain is your system operating correctly under abnormal circumstances to tell you, hey, something's wrong. You're carrying a belief about yourself that's unsustainable. You're carrying a relationship in your life that's crippling you. You're carrying some expectation that you can't fulfill. Does that make sense? Yeah, so makes sense. And, and the reason why I wanna address this because so many people I'll hear say, oh, I was just born that way. Mm. Or, you know, unwilling, they'll, they'll almost put it off the side. That's just who I am. And so a great example would be, I would hear the same sort of thing, and you're saying you gotta lean into it. I'm telling you, it, it's hard work, because I was conditioned to, I'll just avoid that. Oh, shoot, I know what that look is, so I'll just go get busy. Or, oh, I know what that, that door closed a little bit harder <laughs> than normal. Oh, <laughs> I must have not put the mirror on right. It fell off the wall. Uh, you know, whatever it was, um, the less obvious, you know, because our first year of marriage, it was, you know, a high heel stuck in the wall by my left eye. Just missed me. But we worked through that. But now that we've been married 13 years, it's just the little subtly ways of communication. And what I'll tell you is it's easy to tolerate those, but that's not the best version of what we are created to do. And so when Brian was telling me, he's like, oh yeah, there's no way I wanna go hug my wife when deep down, like, that behavior's not cool. I wanna give her some other, other areas to think about, you know. Instead he's saying, no, you gotta lean in and hug her because things are stirring up. I'm telling you, as a man, it's so hard to do because I've been X amount of years 34, whatever years it is, programmed one way. I have to take that, that captive. I have to renew my mind and reprogram my physiology that even though I don't want to, because of the tood, I gotta get over my tood and go hug her anyways. And, and, and it comes down to just swallowing some pride, but I had a greater fear because I was raised and just to give some real Christian perspective, in a great Christian family, but my dad was a yeller, you know, his, his dad was a yeller. And he was a Marine. So man, my brother and I just got yelled at all the time and I, I refused, I don't tolerate yelling, I don't even like people who yell at their kids. It's, to me, it's, 
I won't, don't want to be that guy. But when I get so frustrated, I feel that coming up. That's my alarm system. Man, I just want to yell at him. I don't, but I never want to go there. But I also want to know, how do I get through that and seek joy on the other side of it? I want my kids to be around that. We, we don't want to just tolerate like, oh, yelling, that's just who I am. No, that's who I was programmed to be, but I broke that one and I overcome it. But now how do I, even though I just crossed the line, I might not be a yeller, I'm still disengaged. I'm still not engaging when I hear her frustration. I'm now into avoidance. So how do we take whether someone's so frustrated they yell or they avoid, what are some key things, what's our? So going back to this idea, going back to this idea that my natural my natural state is actually joy. That's my natural angel, uh, nature. Excuse me. And one of the aspects of trauma, right, emotional psychological trauma, is that responsibility piece. So if my wife is going through something, and I am picking up on it, and she's, she's being short with me, she's being a little bit more distant, I can tell, she's not admitting it yet, but I can just read. And I'm feeling something other than curiosity and compassion. What's going on? Because that's not like you. Then I already know my trauma's been activated. If I feel defensiveness or cut off, if I either want to pull away from you or I want to pick up the boxing gloves, my trauma's already been activated. I'm not, I am not operating in the spirit in that moment. I'm operating in trauma and fear. So when we think about changing that system, Man, the best way I know to change it, and it really depends on what level of, uh, what level of polarization, like how, how stuck are you? How severe is this trauma? How long have we been stuck in the system? Usually if we've been stuck in the system a long time, we don't change it very quickly because your brain is armored up. It actually perceives emotional disconnection, not as symbolic discomfort, it, it perceives it as visceral threat. So if you're walking through the woods and you see a bear, your brain does the exact same thing if your spouse raises their voice at you. It does the same thing. Your prefrontal cortex shuts off. Your limbic stem, that fight or flight system that we have, it lights up. The exact same thing happens. In fact, they've done studies where, uh, you guys ever heard of John Gottman? He's awesome. Incredible research where they make couples wear heart rate monitors and they can gauge the exact moment in the fight when their heart rate exceeds about 100 beats per minute, and they go into a, what we call a limbic state. Zero probability of that couple having an effective conversation unless they've done therapy, training, uh, coaching about that scenario beforehand. I super forgot the question, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, honestly, what I got out of that is we're both gonna buy Apple Watches, and we're just gonna Genius. show each other's heart rate Babe, obviously we can't talk, you're over 100. Yeah. I've had couples do that, yeah. If, if we have really pervasive trauma, like we're, we're like uprooting some really deep stuff, it can be help, helpful to have this external like beep, 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 you know? Yeah. So you were talking, you're going down the road, like what are we gonna do to reverse, what do we do? That, to reverse that? So the reason I went down that buddy trail was because if you're under that threshold, if you actually, you can feel it, like, oh man, I feel super defensive, or I just wanna, I just wanna pull away from you, or I wanna criticize, I wanna, uh, I wanna become critical, and you can sense those things, and we're under threshold, meaning I have the ability to, oh, I see that happening, and I can choose something different. The most loving thing we can do is just name what we're feeling. Like, man, I can tell, sweetheart, I can tell right now that I'm feeling kind of defensive, so I'm not sure what's going on. You seem upset, this doesn't feel like you, and we assume the best about our partner, 
and we name the armor that our brain wants to put on, and we just put it all on the table. The reason we don't do that is because vulnerable, vulnerability is exposing and uncertain, and it feels really scary. If we can learn to do that in those moments, we transform conflict that will leave us polarized into something that will leave us deeply bonded. And just like that, yeah. Come on, is this good? Drop this good? the mic. We only have a couple minutes, oh so. I wanna, I just wanna give, um, and in the next uh, service, you know, we'll dive into all sorts of new stuff, but in, in this one, if you had to land the plane, because really what I've learned, and my point earlier was, my, my family was amazing, and when I found C3, I said, oh, it was probably because they didn't have the Holy Spirit. That they're, my, my family's an amazing Christian family, but they didn't believe in the gifts and the Holy Spirit. So I'm like, oh, now that I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, now that I'm a next level Christian, this is just my internal dialogue, I'm good. Like, now I'm gonna break it. You know, they probably didn't have, you know, spiritual discernment, you know, they could pray. They prayed over dinner, but now I'm equipped. I can pray over dinner and breakfast and over my wife. You know, I'm like, I, and so I rationalized it, but it's amazing. Divorce in the world, in the church is the same. Divorce in my parents' upbringing church denomination and our denomination, what's the difference? So I realized, no, no, it's the equipping. Now I have greater discernment, I can press in, I know the tools, I know the power, I know all the stuff, but the still thing is we cannot be naive that we suddenly all have it together because of the church we go to. I've learned community and being real. One of the most painful things for us is she uh, was one of our biggest fights and she called Pastor Jurgen and Leanne. I was like, oh, oh, you did that, huh? I'm like, yeah, we're going to meet them right now. I'm like, they're out to dinner on a date night. She goes, yeah, we're going right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not going. It was the most ticked off I've ever been in our marriage. She made me get in the truck. I'm like, fine, we'll expose it all. We drive right over to, we drove over to Ruth Chris. I mean, I was so ticked off. I sat down, I'm, say, I'm so, so sorry you're ruining your date night for this couple. And they just sit there and love this up, normalized it. Got over, and I'm, I was about as ticked off as they got, but she just said, that's it. And by the end of it, you know, uh, we left there holding hands. And I realized I never wanna bother my pastors again on date night, even though they were willing, even though they loved it, even though we still laugh about it, it was what we needed. And I said, that's it, from this day on, I want every tool to resource up. How can we, you know, to land the plane, what's our next steps? Like, what, what are some different things that we can start doing all the way from getting connected to seeing a, you know, therapist? Like, what are some real things? So for me, something that was really transformative for me when I first realized this, I was, um, my wife and I had already done some intensive therapy and really, that which led to individual therapy. It was really transformative for us. And then a couple years later, now I'm in graduate school and I'm realizing that uh, now, I studied um, theology and Bible, and I also studied clinical psychology at the same time, so I got to, I got to study the integration of those two things. That is my passion. That, that's where I light up. And it was really incredible to see how God didn't uh, design the marriage relationship to be a relationship that was intended to make you happy. That's not its primary purpose. God intended it to be a relationship that transforms you. Wow. It's both a crucible 
meaning it's gonna bring the pain to the surface and an incubator when done correctly it becomes this unique safe place where we can heal and be vulnerable and so people get into this mindset I did when I was isolated get into this mindset man this is hard I feel disconnected from my wife I'm in this narrative of blame about her I'm in this self-pity victim narrative and this all means that I must have found the wrong person or maybe I wasn't listening to God or or maybe there's something wrong with my marriage no 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 all of that pain means my marriage is working wow. it means that I am carrying those lies in myself already and my marriage is the thing that's going to help them come to the surface so if you are going through pain and married or unmarried if you are going through pain remember that's your heart working our heart is designed to tell us that something's wrong I hear people all the time they say that emotions can lie and I understand what they're saying and there's good insight there but I would never say that emotions lie emotions always tell the truth wow. about our belief system they always tell the truth about what I believe about myself. So, okay, so I, I'm, a, awesome. I'm a bunny trail king today. We love it. Going back to what do we do? The first thing I always do is exit the isolation. If you are going through something, if you notice pain, shame, anxiety, fear, anger, those are all secondary, those are shield emotions. And they're telling you that there's something really vulnerable beneath that. You may or may not know what it is that needs to be protected. Go find someone to share that with. Disarm with somebody. That could be a pastor, that could be a friend and a mentor that you know. Don't go to the person who you're mentoring. Don't go to the person whose life you wouldn't want to emulate. Does that make sense? Because they can only give you a roadmap to their destination. We want a roadmap to a new destination. Uh, so get connected. If, if you go to a, a mentor, a group leader, a, a pastor, and you're processing through this and you're noticing that there's no movement, that doesn't mean you're broken. That means you need to go deeper. And like, that's why, man, churches like C3, who don't view mental health as the enemy, but view it as the completion or the, the, the next level of Christ working in your life. Now, obviously, you're not going to go to just any therapist, obviously. Um, but go see the person that's a coach in that area. If I want to get better at finances, I go see a financial coach. If I want to get better at sports, go see a therapist. If, if you're not seeing the movement from the exposure, from bringing that pain and that fear to the light, if it doesn't move, go see somebody else. Come on, how good was that? Incredible. Man, we could go all morning, but... I want to, um, I'm going to invite the worship team up, and I just want to pray over us. We're going to open up the, just the altar, and um, listen, if you need prayer this morning, if stuff got stirred up for you, listen, the intention was to poke, but to also give tools and resources and highlight, don't let the enemy beat you up about where you're at. No one in this house is got to the place that they wanna be in their marriage, in their life, wherever they're at. And we wanna let you know that we don't sit there and have this you know, expectation. We're not cookie cutter Christians. We are all on a journey. But here's what I do know is that God does want us to be the light of the world, which stems from rooted in that joy. And if we're gonna go out there and be the neighbors that wanna invite their neighbors, why would they wanna come? Why, why would they wanna come to that church if you're looking depressed or you're marriage is falling apart or why can't we just be the type of Christians that I wear my emotion on my sleeve didn't say it was always positive but people know where I stand and the news is that we want to emulate Christ in us and through us
Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com. 